Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Hey friend, welcome back to the Your Hair Mentor podcast. I'm your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green. And this week's episode is all about hair trauma. But before we dive into that, oh my God, I have to share some almost trauma with you that I had the other day. Um, for those of you that know, I have two small children. I have a five-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl, and they are super duper active, athletic, adventurous children. And we have a membership to the local, um, rock climbing gym in Reno here. And although I am not a rock climber, y'all, uh, heights is not my gig. I'll do a lot of other things like stick me under the ocean with a scuba tank any day, but don't make me climb a rope or a ladder. No, 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 thank you. Um, not my stick. I, I take my kids there because they love it. And so I'm just basically there to supervise most of the time. And, uh, so far it's been relatively easy. I keep waiting for something to happen, like a slip and fall or some sort of injury, but we've been relatively unscathed. And then yesterday, oh, this is so crazy. I feel like I'm still like shooken up about this. Um, my son was following my daughter on all her little um, climbs she was doing. Um, like she would go first and then he would go. And she went up and over the wall on this one section where there's like stairs you can climb down the other side. So you're supposed to go up and over. It's like intended for that. And this wall is 15 feet tall. I actually had to call the climbing gym after this happened and ask because I was like, there's no way. Um, and so she goes up and over and then my son's like, I'm going to do it. So I was like, sure, man, whatever. And like I always do, I just say, be careful. Like that does something. I know it's like, I can't help it. It just comes out of my mouth. So I'm like, be careful, bro. And he goes climbing up and he's doing really good. And he gets to the top, his hands are on the top and he's trying to kind of pivot so he can pull his knee up and over like sister did, but he's a bit shorter. 
and a few years younger and not as um, athletic yet, he fell off the wall. And I swear to you, this happened in slow motion. So I'm standing underneath him and I see his knee slip. And it was like, all of a sudden, the world stopped and my child is falling 15 feet in the air above my head. And he kind of pushes himself back away from the wall. Thank goodness, because otherwise he would have smacked his face on all the rocks and bumps on the way down. And so he's like cascading down at me. And I have a moment to think because it's in slow motion. I like reach my arms up and I caught him. Like seriously, if someone had gotten this on video, I'd probably have gone viral. To me, it was like the most miraculous thing in the world. He was falling vertically. So his feet were down, his head was up and I caught him so perfectly, like underneath the armpits, just like this perfect football catch, like boonk in my arms. And I kind of like landed in a soft squat. I didn't take a foot to the face. He didn't get injured. And I like immediately flip him around in my arms and his eyes were as big as saucers. And then he starts wailing because he was just like terrified. And I was like, oh my God, I just caught a flying dude. Like how, uh, what? I, I don't even understand what just happened. It was incredible. And I like, can't stop thinking about it. I keep flashing back to that like millisecond where his foot slipped or his knee and he's just like away from the wall. It was crazy. And I definitely feel a little traumatized by it. I thought he would take a fall from like three feet up and then maybe be like, oh, that wasn't super fun and be a little cautious. But this is the first time he's fallen. And it was from 15 feet up in the air. Incredible. I'm so thankful, knock on wood, that no one got hurt and we're all good. So trauma, man, it can really stick with you, right? And in particular, hair trauma. What is it exactly? Have you experienced it? Chances are, if you have hair on your head, you've probably suffered from some sort of hair trauma. Hair trauma comes in many shapes and sizes, and unfortunately, most of us know this pain all too well. And if you've never had a bad experience with your hair, you can go ahead and just skip this episode because you're a dang unicorn and you should consider yourself lucky. Mm, but actually, never mind. No, you should listen to this episode because if you have a hair problem in the future, you will want to have listened to this. So hair trauma, my friend, um, what does this look like? And what does it feel like? And better yet, how do you recover from it? So first and foremost, what do I mean when I say hair trauma? Um, You could think of it in the literal sense, meaning your hair has actually been traumatized or like put through the ringer. Think overprocessed bleach, too many perms, too many passes with a flat iron that's too hot, that sort of thing. And although that definitely can be defined as traumatic, I'm more interested in chatting about the emotional side of hair trauma. We're going woo-woo, people. We're doing it. Um, Because that's what usually gets us, right? That's what we like ruminate on. So let's dive into what emotional hair trauma looks like. Um, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you care about your hair and the way it looks at least a little bit, if not a lot. And on either side of that spectrum, 
you can have hair trauma. So it's not just reserved for the like super conceited bougie crew. No, you can be like a super simpleton that never cared a hoot about their hair. And then you get something horrible that happens on your hair and all of a sudden it's traumatic. Okay. So not just for the bougie crew, which honestly, there's probably no bougie crew listening to me anyways, because I'm like the quick and easy, super simple stylist. So, um, yes, much of our identities are wrapped around our aesthetics and how we look. Okay. It's how we present ourselves to the world. Um, it's like almost primal in the way that we care about our presentation to our fellow humans. It makes me think of like the animal kingdom and how, um, I guess it's not the females. It's usually the males in the animal kingdom that like have the decorative feathers and they do the mating dances. And so, um, you know, as humans, we have hair as an example of that and our clothing too. So it most certainly involves our hair. So hair's a way for us to show our personality. It's like an accessory, right? And so when that's not aligned with the way that we want to present ourselves, we feel weird and insecure and unsure. We don't feel like ourselves. It feels traumatic. So let me give you some examples in case you're still confused as to what I mean by hair trauma. Um, These are not the only examples, obviously. I have seen so many different types of um, sad, traumatic situations with hair over the last couple decades, and even with my friends as well. But these are just some examples so that maybe you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, that's me. Maybe you didn't realize that you had some trauma associated with your hair. So first example is probably going to hit home with anyone that's a mom. Um, I'm not a new mom anymore, but I was at one point. And being a new mom is like a rebirthing of yourself, too. Um, You're trying to figure out who you are in the world now that you have this little human to care for. So say you're a new mom and you've just been in the throes of infancy and diapers and spit up, and you're caring for this little wiggly larva of a human all the time, night and day. And one day you look up in the mirror and you're like, holy cow, girl, where did I go? Your hair's grown out, you know, you have no style, and you're like, that's it, wake up, I gotta do something about this. So you make an appointment with your stylist and, or maybe you find a new stylist. It doesn't matter. You make an appointment to go get your hair done and you have in your head this idea that by getting your hair done the way that you used to, you're going to feel good about yourself again. You're going to feel like you again. There's a little bit of an identity crisis that happens as a new mom. And so let's say you go to get your hair done and for one reason or another, it does not turn out the same way that it used to. Your blonde does not look as bright. Your A-line doesn't look as crisp. Whatever it might be, you are feeling lackluster. It is not meeting your expectations. And you don't feel good about yourself. You still just walk out feeling like wah, wah, wah. Man, that is traumatic. You are looking for a reminder of like who you are and wanting to feel good about yourself. And instead, you just go home and feel sour still. That's super traumatic. Um, here's another example. Let's say you have naturally dark hair and you have paid 
tons of money and spent tons of time over the years to have your hair meticulously highlighted to like a nice, bright, blondie, caramely color. And it's long and you've cared for it and, you know, it's been babied, so it's healthy. And you go see a new stylist and that stylist overcooks your highlights in your touch-up, ends up frying off your hair. The last 12 inches of your hair are just like limp, overcooked noodles. It's mush. You have to cut it off or it's going to break off. And so you end up cutting off all your hair that you worked so hard for. That is freaking traumatic for people. And that might take years to grow back. And so for years, you're dealing with this. Every time you have to look in the mirror, you're like, oh, every time you go see a stylist, you're like, oh, God. And you're never going to feel comfortable letting someone highlight you again, or it's going to take a really long time to trust someone and then to move past that traumatic experience. Now, those are obviously some very dramatic examples of hair trauma, but sometimes it's not so obvious. Sometimes it's as simple as you have a strange hump on your neck that you're very self-conscious about and you end up with a haircut that exposes that and you didn't realize that you needed to convey that to your stylist ahead of time. So now you're walking around showing a piece of you that feels very vulnerable and uncomfortable that's traumatic as well. Or let's say you have an ear on one side that's kind of a little bit sticky-outy and goofy and you would never part your hair or cut your hair to showcase that ear and you don't convey that to your stylist or it's not discussed and somehow you end up with a haircut that emphasizes it and you can't hide it. That is also very traumatic. So I hope with those examples, I've started to paint a picture for you of what experiencing hair trauma might feel like and might look like. But man, what do we do about it? Now, y'all, this is a big responsibility as a stylist. I'm responsible for something that can significantly alter the way someone feels about themselves. And although that is one of my favorite favorite parts of being a hairstylist. And if you've listened to my origin story, which is episode number one, you know what I'm talking about when I say like, I'm doing this because people like me and it like intrinsically feels good to make people feel good. Um, that's what I love about this. It's a great honor to hold the key to something that important, but it's also a great weight on my shoulders. And should I mess it up? Holy shit, what a terrible feeling that would be. But shit happens, my friend. Hair is not an exact science. It's weird, but it's like this halfway between art and science. It's full of variations and nuance. Unexpected things can happen and surprises do occur, unfortunately. And so, you know, I've absolutely had this happen to me in my chair many times throughout my career where something didn't go as planned and there was definitely a lot of nuance happening in there. But as a self-proclaimed good stylist, and I'm making air quotes when I do that, good stylist, I own that situation and offer solutions. A good stylist will recognize when something isn't going as planned and pivot. Now that's the important part, the pivot. A good stylist will communicate 
these things with you and allow you to be part of the solution or the pivot. Do you see where I'm going here with this? A good stylist won't try to hide it from you and then turn you around at the last minute and be like, ta-da. No, a bad stylist. I hate to say bad stylist. It sounds really negative. Maybe we'll say an inexperienced stylist, a scared stylist, an ashamed stylist. They might hide those moments when they didn't pivot. They might style your hair in a way that makes it hard for you to see the details when it's done. They might overcompensate when it's done and be over the moon for it. They might try to make it sound like it's the best thing ever, even though they know you hate it. And kicker, they definitely know. Don't ever feel like your stylist did not know that you weren't happy with your hair. Because we can see you squirming. We can see your face. Whether or not you know this, we're tuned into your body language. It's something we pick up very, very early in beauty school. We can read the fact that you don't like it just by the way you look at yourself in the mirror. Because when you like what you see, your inner Beyonce comes out. You start touching your hair, smirking at yourself. It is obvious, you sexy thing. And it's so the opposite if you don't like what you see. And so instead of bringing attention to the fact that you're like squirmy and not happy with what's going on, a bad stylist might try to hide from it. They don't want to approach that. And so what's the difference here between a bad stylist and a good stylist? Or rather, what's the difference between a good hair experience and a terrible one? Usually it can be boiled down to one simple thing, communication. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Communication. I feel like a dang broken record because I say it all the time. Communication, communication, communication. But this week alone, I met two ladies who had serious hair trauma that was caused 100% by a lack of communication. There was a lack of communication in the consultation to choose proper goals for their hair. There was a lack of communication when things weren't going as planned and they should have pivoted. There was a lack of communication when the service was done and the client was obviously unhappy. Instead, these ladies got ushered out the door with a slap on the ass and a large tab to pay. Now I unearthed all of this with them in a simple coaching session, and it was super easy to then figure out a plan to get them where they need to be communication. And so, although I do think I do, I think the responsibility lands on the stylist and ultimately I hope that's where we get to. But for now, the industry is just broken and there is no support system out there for stylists to learn these things. So I think it's up to you, my friend. And so let's bring this back around to hair trauma. Let's kind of, let's come full circle and um, figure out how to avoid hair trauma in the future. And so, yes, you need to communicate, but what I want you to do first, dear listener, is I want you to figure out those boundaries for yourself, those hard no's, those like, oh my God, that would be so traumatic things. And if you know those, it makes everything so much easier for us, right? 
I usually go through a very thorough consultation with my clients and it usually involves me running my hands through their hair as I'm talking and I'm asking them all these questions. In fact, I'm going to do an entire podcast episode on consultations and I'll break down exactly why I ask what questions and when so that you could hear it and go, Oh, that makes sense. But essentially what I'm doing when I'm asking questions is I'm trying to figure out what your limits are. I'm trying to figure out something that you would hate to do with your hair or something that you really love and would like to emphasize in your hair, or maybe some pain points that you have. Like you're like, Hey, I've got this like lump on my neck that I don't want anyone to see. So if you cut my hair short, that thing has to be hidden still. So then that's my like, okay, don't go past that bump. Or you have like a sticky outy ear on one side. And so I know you're never going to part your hair on that side. And you always need your hair to cover that. Those kind of things are really helpful as a stylist to know like where my parameters are. And then within those parameters, I can be creative. So figure out what your goals are, figure out what you need, what you like, what you dislike, and come to your stylist kind of armed to the teeth with all these things. And I think that will allow a better conversation with better communication and hopefully less hair trauma. And we are now going to, I'm going to use the word pivot again, da, 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 into the product of the week. What better way to compliment a topic of trauma than to talk about treatments. So let's talk about some hair masks and treatments and what you should look for and how you should use them and why. Now there are many, many, many types of hair treatments out there and um, many ways you can use them, but I'm going to tell you first and foremost, I'm going to like debunk a myth here. There is this myth that if you sleep with conditioner in your hair, that it's going to work better. And that is totally bollocks, totally untrue. And it's just going to make a mess on your pillow and potentially give you an acne breakout when it like rubs all over your face from your pillow. So you do not need to worry about sleeping with hair conditioner of any way, shape or form in your hair. Let's just put that out there, put that thing to rest. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. Now, most hair conditioners, hair treatments, hair masks, whatever you want to call them. These are the types that are like thick, heavy conditioning, not something you would use every time you wash your hair. Um, and they are something you're going to let sit in for some length of time to repair, restore, and moisturize your hair, right? Um, these are best used on freshly washed shampooed hair that has no other conditioner on it and potentially roughly towel dried to absorb some of the water out of your hair. And this is because water is going to um, take up some of the space in your hair that the conditioner would have gotten into. So you don't need to blow dry your hair completely, but maybe like towel dry it until it's about 80% dry. Now what you should do now, you could use them in the shower too. I'll get back to that in a second, but um, the most amount of time that I usually recommend leaving a treatment conditioner on your hair is 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, there's really not going to be anything else diving in and absorbing into your hair, just plain and simple like that. Now, what you can do if you're looking for higher absorption or more penetration of the goodies in your conditioner 
is you can heat it up. You can very simply get a cheap plastic cap, put it on your hair, and then hit it with your blow dryer so that you're warming up your head, you're warming up your hair, and then that cap is keeping the moisture in. That's the only reason why you put a cap on instead of just blow drying straight onto the hair with the conditioner is you want it to stay hydrated and moist. Once that conditioner dries out, it'll stop working. So cap on your head, blow dry, You could go sit outside in the sunshine. You could sit under a heat lamp. Um, I do not think a tanning bed would work. It might, I don't know. (laughs) But basically you're just looking for heat. And what the heat is going to do is raise the cuticle layers on your hair and allow for deeper penetration. And then after 30 minutes, if you heat your hair, you should let it cool for a few minutes before you rinse it out. And that's because once it cools, you want those cuticle layers to close back down and maybe trap in some of those good ingredients that you put in there. That is the longest I would ever do a conditioning treatment on anyone, including myself. Now, that's not to say I've forgotten and had it on my hair while I'm like walking around the house doing something or that it's going to do any damage on your hair. That is not true. It is just not necessary. So as long as you know, like 30 minutes is a good amount of time. If you leave it on longer, if it works for you to leave it on for time's sake, whatever, it's just not going to do any more good. And then on the low end, usually no less Within three to five minutes for any sort of treatment protocol. And that's just because it takes a few minutes for everything to actually soak in. Now, um, when I do this on myself in the shower, what I will do is I will shampoo my hair and then I will like squeeze it and wring it out really good and kind of shake it out so that I get most of the heavy moisture out of my hair. And then I will put a conditioning mask on my hair and then take the rest of my shower, shave my legs, sing a song, listen to a podcast, whatever and then wait at least three to five minutes and then rinse it out and that's not going to be as good as the prior way I just told you but it's still going to do some good like you're not going to be wasting the product it's still going to do something for your hair that's going to be lovely so those are the two ways I recommend using treatment conditioners and um, oh I should also mention there are these really cool um, hair bonnets that you can buy that have, I think it's rice in them, and then you can microwave them and they get warm. And so you don't even have to stand there with a heating element, like a blow dryer or whatever. You just plop this cap on your head that's warm. And so it heats up and traps in the moisture and then cools after about 30 minutes and they're lovely. And I think they're just a few dollars for something like that. If I think about it, I will put a link to it in the show notes here. And I think if you're in Reno, there's a store in Reno called Prude and Bougie that might carry them in stock for very inexpensive as well too. Um, And if so, I will link to that for you as well. So that's a great option. Um, Now, when we're talking about hair treatments, how often should you do them? It kind of depends on a lot of things. Depends on your hair. Depends on how damaged your hair is. It depends on your environment, like how dry it is and where you are. That will also help determine which ingredients you need to look for 
in your treatment protocol. So let's say you live in a dry desert and you have very highlighted processed hair. You're probably going to want to do a treatment once a week. So if you're only washing your hair every like three days or so, that's going to be about every other time you wash your hair that you're going to want to do a treatment. I know that sounds like a lot, but imagine the way I told you, I just do it on myself. It's not that much harder than just doing a regular conditioner. And so I use a treatment conditioner about every other time, sometimes every third time that I wash my hair, depending on how lazy I'm feeling, uh, because I do live in the desert and because I do have bleached hair. And so, and I have wavy hair and wavy hair and curly hair naturally is a little more dry. So, um, in that case, once a week, I'd recommend now you could do it every time you could absolutely do it every time. You're not going to damage your hair, which you might find out it was if your hair is over hydrated or over proteinized, um, it might feel a little limp it might feel a little flat. And if that does happen, just back off your regimen a little bit and see if that makes it go away. Now, if you don't live in the desert and you don't have bleached hair, when and how would you use a treatment conditioner? And I would say if you feel like your hair is super healthy, super bouncy, super shiny, you don't have any problems with tangles or split ends, then maybe you don't need to use a treatment conditioner at all. I would say it's not necessary for you in one way, shape, or form. And then there's like the in-betweeners, right? Maybe you have a little damage, a little styling damage, or you get in the sun a little bit. Uh, Maybe try like every two weeks to do one and see how that works for you. It's all a very individual basis. Um, And if you get into a regimen that's easy to use, you'll be able to find what works for you. You know, just kind of test it out and see what happens. And so now let's talk about ingredients in treatment conditioners and what you should look for. There is um, a few different ingredients you'll find in these things. There's going to be proteins and there's going to be moisture. The combination of protein and moisture is what feels good in your hair. Certain things cause certain loss of protein and moisture. Like um, hair color, for example, can cause protein loss or a a breakdown of protein in your hair because it's literally making little holes in your hair in the structure of your hair. And protein is what rebuilds structure. Now, moisture, on the other hand, is lost usually from environmental damages like weather, sun, seawater, whatever, or mechanical damages like your flat iron, your curling iron, and your blow dryer. And so moisture will help replenish the lost moisture in your hair. Moisture replenishes moisture. Interesting. So you want a combination of the two though. So if you just go straight protein with no moisture, it might feel a little stiff. The moisture is going to help hydrate and soften that protein so that it can be rebuilding and softening at the same time. Or if you do too much moisture with no protein, it might feel too limp and too oily. Do you kind of get what I'm saying here? So you want to find something that has hydrating ingredients and protein ingredients in it. Now, when it comes to protein ingredients, there's really only one thing to remember. The word hydrolyzed. If there is a protein in your treatment conditioner that does not have the word hydrolyzed in front of it, most likely 
that protein molecule is not small enough to get in, penetrate, or matter. Hydrolyzed literally means that it's been broken into tiny pieces. And so when you have hydrolyzed oat protein or hydrolyzed keratin protein or hydrolyzed blah, 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 whatever, that means that those proteins have been broken down into small enough pieces they can actually get in and rebuild your hair. Now, there are some proteins that can just coat the outside of your hair that are not hydrolyzed, but those are usually in the form of a keratin treatment service, um, like a Brazilian blowout or some other name brands that are like that, where the keratin is bonded to the outside of your hair via a chemical reaction. That's not what you're talking about here, though. You're talking about something you can use at home that's just going to replenish the lost protein in your hair. So hydrolyzed. That's the key word and the takeaway here. When it comes to moisture, it just kind of depends on your hair type and your hair texture. But again, this is not your daily conditioner, so I wouldn't stress about it too much. Just know heavy oils and butters like shea butter is going to be very heavy compared to something uh, moisture attracting like aloe vera. So if it's an aloe vera based conditioner or treatment, it's going to be a little more lightweight, maybe better for like baby fine hair versus something shea butter based is going to be better for heavy hair. But again, this isn't something you're using every day. So even if you have baby fine hair and you're using a very heavy treatment conditioner, your hair is only going to feel heavy the one time you use it. The next time it's going to go back to normal. So I wouldn't stress if you know you're going to be camping or something and your hair is going to be in a braid for multiple days, maybe use the heavier one, knowing that you're not going to do anything with your hair for a few days. And if it's a little more moisturized, so be it. So, um, I will have a downloadable freebie this week with some of my absolute favorite treatment conditioners for you and links to where you can get them. And then I will also have the ingredients I just talked about listed in the show notes below here. So make sure you check out this week's freebie and please, please share with anyone you think would gain some value from listening to me jabber on about hair stuff. And thank you so much for being here. Seriously, um, this podcast is such a joy and I really, truly enjoy it. So um, I'm really, I'm happy to have someone to speak to. I think there's a, a few listeners here and I'm really excited by it. So until next week, my friends, um, stay well, stay happy and have great hair and I'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Hey friend. Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. 
You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind the chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.